Hello and welcome to episode 183 of the Punter Podcast. I'm Chris Barnett. There's top class racing again this weekend. The Adonis and Dovecote Hurdles plus the Pendle Chase are all featured at Kempton on Saturday. Whilst further north, Newcastle hosts the Ida Chase over almost four and a quarter miles on the same afternoon. We're joined by trainer Milton Harris, who joins us for a lovely conversation discussing his weekend runners. He's got four hoping to go at Kempton on Saturday. We also take a look at the Saudi Cup card in Riyadh, where there's some amazing prize money on hand. City AM Racing Editor Bill Esdale previews the best of Saturday's action, with Wally Pyra joining us to look ahead to Sunday's race card in Hong Kong. So, Bill, another exciting weekend coming up, Kempton, Newcastle. Also going to talk a little bit about the Saudi Cup as well that takes place in Riyadh on Saturday. So, big weekend of racing uh, weather-wise here in the uk still not a lot of rain going around is there and i guess the tracks are really struggling at the moment yeah there's no rain anywhere not for the next month it looks it looks like we're going to have a very different Cheltenham festival three weeks away on tuesday um and yeah it's it's just there's just no rain anywhere sorry two weeks this coming tuesday but no no rain anywhere and Kempton this weekend is going to be they had a bit of rain earlier in the week but it's going to be the best part of good ground um, Newcastle which is normally kind of heavy is they're watering it's good to soft but they're putting water on so it just shows wow. you so it's it's very unseasonably dry dry weather and dry ground we might not have any rain at Cheltenham we might not have any jockeys at Cheltenham either I mean this whip debate which isn't really a debate any longer it's, 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 it's factual it goes on and on Tuesday, they announced, I think, 19 or 20 jockeys had received a ban from the first week of the stewards all sitting together around the table and a nice pot of coffee. And, of course, Saturday, coming up you know, tomorrow or today, whenever you listen to this podcast, is going to be the last day when you can incur a ban for Cheltenham. So don't expect too many photo finishes happening at Kempton, Newcastle, because if you raise your arm too high or hit the horse one met too many times you could be out a part or all of the Cheltenham Festival if you get a four-day ban or longer uh, as is the case with Lorcan Williams and is this going to work at all I mean what what can the jockeys do now it just seems to be an unworkable situation at the time when we really want people to look at the sport not look away from it yeah it's 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 not a great situation I said a few weeks ago so I'm not after timing here that it just needed to have been pushed into May, into June, after after the major festivals are out of the way. It wasn't ready to be rolled out in its current guise. And we're seeing that. We're seeing stacks of jockeys picking up potentially over, overly harsh suspensions. But the worst element is we're, we're hearing noise and it's bad news noise. And we're doing our dirty washing in public. And that's a major mistake for the sport. And from, a, you know, I run a Marcoms agency, but you actually, you need to control the narrative of, of your sport. And all this is doing is bringing the whip to the forefront of the messaging around the sport. And as Cheltenham showed with their advert, the whip is the elephant in the room. They decided it was someone there decided it should be airbrushed out 
And then all our chat in the news is over whip bans, whip bans. So people are talking about the whip more than ever because it's being highlighted. And that comes from two things. Be proud of what you have as a sport, but a consultation period should be as long as it takes to make sure it can be rolled out without people complaining or moaning. And if the jockeys are happy and the trainers are happy, then you roll out the rules. And they weren't happy and it wasn't ready and they rolled it out because they say they have to be in control, which is fine. You have to be in control, but the consultation period should have been extended in my view because there's still too many issues and there's too, still too many jockeys struggling with technique changes and all that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> they're not asking for people to ban the whip. They're not major changes, but there are enough changes. It makes no difference to, to the layman. It makes no difference to the regular weekend punters. They won't notice whether someone's hit a horse five times, seven times, three times from the wrong position, from the right position. Won't notice it. But they'll only notice it if there's constant chat about it and constant complaining from jockeys. And every media interview leads back to whip bands and and the use of the whip. It's just highlighting the problem. But yeah, it's it's just a sorry state of affairs. And unfortunately, it's got to be the sport that leads. The BHA have got to lead it properly. Any sympathy in the the reason for this was one of the reasons given is that we're going to see the last 10 seconds of the Gold Cup on terrestrial TV news. So they don't want it to look bad. So for 10 seconds of terrestrial TV news coverage, we're going to ban jockeys for four, you know, throughout the four days. It, that just seems quite ludicrous, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm passionate about the sport of horse racing. And I I was a, there's a, a terrific owner, Peter De- Pete Davis, who has a brilliant Cheltenham preview night, um, which he had on, on Thursday night in London. And I was lucky enough to be one of the guests there. And... Henry de Bromhead was two down from me at the table and there was a conversation about the airbrushing of the whip. Mm. And I said to him genuinely that the biggest issue for me in that photo is not the airbrushing of the whip. I think the advert is boring. And I think the biggest issue for me is the airbrushing of the crowd out the way because it's the passion. That's what makes Cheltenham. They could be in a field and a point-to-point. It's the passion that we don't sell. It's the atmosphere we don't sell. And actually, that's what where racing is struggle to, struggling to sell. It's, it, people don't decide whether they are coming or not coming to racing as to how many times a jockey can use his whip or whether he can or can't use his whip, his or her whip. And it's it's a complete nonsense. Okay, well, we'll see how it gets on this weekend. I mean, the jockeys won't know until Tuesday of next week if they're going to have a ban given to them and they won't know if they've ridden a you know, horse in the wrong way whip wise this week during racing that would still count it could be a bit but of a just, mess yeah but just week, just on the jockey just on the jockey front um you know they're to blame a bit too it's not just one-sided and that's why the consultation period needed to be extended so they can understand it. But there, you know, there has to be an adaption of rules. Things have to change. Sports have to evolve. No, I'm not an old dinosaur that's saying, oh, it's, it is what it is. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that you can't roll out plans prematurely when the troops aren't happy. You've got to get everyone's buy-in and keep working with them and then roll it out when everyone's happy. And if that takes till May, June, July, August next year, it, it'll take that long. But rolling out now, just so it shows a lack of harmony in the sport and the sport isn't strong enough on its feet at the moment anyway to have yeah, major yeah. disharmony okay um all coming up in the next few days no doubt be hitting the headlines we'll have another chat about it i'm sure before cheltenham we're going to talk about kempton and newcastle in a moment but before we do that let's have a word from our special guest today always good to talk 
to Milton Harris, who's a really fun guy. And if you had a horse with Milton, you'd you'd love racing, I'm sure. He'd be brilliant to, to be around. And and he was lovely to chat. He was at Cheltenham. He just bought a horse. He mentions it in our little uh, conversation that's coming up. He's got four runners at Kempton coming up on Saturday, a couple in the Dovecot. He's got one in the Adonis as well and also in the, the Cold Trophy. So let's talk about all four of his horses, starting with the favourite, no doubt, for the opening race, the Adonis 150 at Kempton. And that horse is Scriptwriter. He's a very good horse. We've had a clean run with him. He seems in great form. It's fair to say that, in hindsight, Paddy would have ridden a different race um, given the, you know, we, we ended up being out on our own and being a bit keen and and actually we're the quickest horse in the race and we should in hindsight we should have ridden differently but Paddy accepts that and um, we we we've got a lot of pace we didn't need to be in front turning in you know yeah but we we, we don't want to take anything away I'm I'm going to say you should never be a bad loser but I think there's a little bit of you that needs to be a bad loser because if you don't if it doesn't matter anything you shouldn't be doing you know so uh, yeah, we're uh, disappointed to have got beaten without taking anything away from the winner, you know? I think those that have a bit of an edge in their lives and their careers, they are bad losers, aren't they? In in a way, that not bad that it's, it's all, all rubbish, but you have to accept maybe yeah. didn't go to plan and hey. there's ways of making it better. You have to shake hands with gritted teeth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is, is that what you did at Cheltenham when you finished second? Very much so. I, I, and as I say, I, um, young John Joe's a nice boy and a uh, young man and... And I, you know, no, it's certainly not a personal uh, thing. It's just that I felt like we gave them a target to aim at. If we'd have, we were 105 on the flat. I think they were about 88 on the flat or 87s. And and so I, what I actually wanted was a foot race from the last to the line. Yeah. Because we were the best horse in the race and we ended up with giving them a target to aim at. So I just think tactically we, we made a mistake. And But it happens. It's horse, it's sport. You know, in mm. professional sport, if you, you, we make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes and we got it a bit wrong. Look, before I ask you about the Wolverhampton run on the flat, let me ask you, as, as a trainer, you, obviously you're going for trial days and, and you were second uh, in, in January, but you, you won in November at Cheltenham on, on that other juvenile trial day. Is it yeah. tough at this time of the year with like three weeks to go to get them to win this weekend but still be ready for the big race itself the triumph at Cheltenham you thought can you win both or you know is it oh, okay well, I to hope, be second I hope so so I wouldn't be winning but look the reality is we I mean Knight Salute last year won this race and then went to Cheltenham and he didn't run his race but uh, I'm I don't know whether he wasn't right that day whether the ground was a bit soft mm. but um and then he came back and won the grade won the grade one at so these are juvenile hurdlers these aren't big uh, embryo chasers for the future these are hurdlers so he's a hurdler same as night salute and we need to make hay in, in this is the easiest window of their career in my opinion because uh, their second season is very de- look at Vorban and Willie Mullins is I mean very yeah. good horse yeah. unbeaten I'm pretty confident as a juvenile and hasn't won a race this year whilst running very respectably in top class races just hard for them so no we we, we, we will our plan if it is to go tomorrow to go to the festival and to go to Aintree. Those are our three races we've got left, if if all goes well. Now, this is horse racing and things yeah, can go horribly sure. wrong. But that's that's our plan. I, he's a good horse. I mean, he could get beat on Saturday, uh, giving his penalty away, whereas at Aintree and at Charlton, there are no penalties, of course. Yes, yeah. 
That's right, he's got the penalty. But I mean, this horse was trained by Aiden, of course, on on the flat and came from the from the Coolmore. You know, he's a he's a beautifully bred horse by Churchill. He, you you said originally, you know, this horse could be really something special, and he really still could be, couldn't he? So clearly, from Aiden's point of view, this horse was, I'm led to believe, used as a bit of a lead horse for the Group 1 horses. He ran in Group 3s. So he would never have had an easy time because he was always facing horses of marginally more, uh, you know, better quality than him, yeah. even though he was a good horse. But of course, now he's running against horses that don't have the same quality as him. Um, so that I think we, we, we went to Sedgefield to give him a bit of confidence. He won nicely up there. It was only safe for except then he went to China. We're trying to give him some confidence, and I honestly believe the horse is better than he's ever been. Yeah, you know, we, we bought him, we gouged him. He was a rig, so he had one testicle, so we had to have an operation. So it wasn't playing. There were some risks attached right, initially. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, you wouldn't swap him now. I mean, he's a leading candidate from this side of the water. You know, we, we respect the Irish, but we'd like to bloody beat him. How did he go off at 11-1, to 1, by the way, at Wolverhampton? I mean, Well, I'll tell you a story about that. So... <laughs> He was due to run at Chepstow, literally, I'm, I'm going to say, four days before, something like that, four or mm. five days before. And uh, I said to the owner, I said, look, I'm not keen to bottom him on that race because I've run a horse in that race before. It's a very hard race for young horses. Right. I don't think this horse wants soft ground. I said, well, why don't we give him a spin? There's a nought to 105 at Wolverhampton. And I think maybe the, uh, the press asked me the same question. And I think people interpreted that we were having a run for one of better phrase. And clearly... We were fit four days before, so yeah. we were ready to run for our lives. And and he was two to one favour in the morning. I think I'd been to the sales or I was doing something, I, and so I hadn't paid a lot of attention. I kept getting text messages, is your horse okay? Is your horse okay? Because he, he'd gone from two to one to 10 or 12 to one, whatever he was. And I got home and I actually had a few pounded in myself at 14 to one, not oh, long before oh. the got. So... Um, I don't know. These things happen in racing nowadays. Yeah, yeah. and certainly if yeah. the horse starts to drift, people seem to get on the bandwagon, don't they? These days. And, yeah, and yeah. Uh, and I thought, and I, I and going back to Saturday's race, hand on heart, how many of these horses on Saturday could win a handicap off a mark? I think he was 102, wasn't he? Yeah, 102. So, yeah, 102 the day he won. He's 105 now, I think four or five. How if any of these horses could have won off that mark? I suggest not. Yeah. I mean, you picked a good horse, and he's a lovely horse to follow. Uh, on the same card, at Kempton, you, you've got a couple in in the dovecote as well, haven't you? you you've gone for yep. two in here with with Mullenbeg and uh, and Postmark as well. Well, Mullenbeg is a very good filly. Um, she was disappointed last time because she knocked herself and ended up pulling him up a little bit lame. But I wouldn't worry about that. It was something and nothing. We've given her a nice break. She's been freshened up. She's working brilliantly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd expect her to be very competitive. She gets seven pound off the boys. And if you ask me what what she needs, I'd say two miles on a fast track uh, on a good surface. And she's got all of those sort of things together. Yeah. Postmark is, I'm bit, my hand is being forced a little bit. He is ground dependent to a point. He just doesn't want soft ground. He ran a moderate race on very soft ground at Kempton around Christmas time, whenever it was. Saturday evening is a cut-off point for the qualification for the Boodles Juvenile Handicap. Right. So we need to, the only two options I have were the Dovecote or the Adonis. Yeah. So I, I had mentioned him both and it looked to me like he had more chance of finishing third or fourth and picking a good prize money in the Dove Cup than he did in the Adonis, but who knows. But um, that's the choice we've made. Okay. He'll be doing his best. And, you know, if he finished third or fourth, got him, was beaten far. What I'd hate to do is finish second to the scriptwriter, beaten mm. two lengths and get a mark of 128, 129. I'm hoping we can somehow get a mark around the 120 mark, which yeah. will put us nicely into the bottom weights for the Boodles. That can mess you up a bit, can't you? Getting too close to an, an opponent sometimes. 
Yeah, and sometimes those races, you know, they can be funny races. Like, yeah, you know, they don't yeah. go a gallop and it begins a sprint. Yeah. Things that we can't, we can control things we can control, but we can't control the uncontrollable coming. So, you know, something falling or something bringing you down or yeah. all those sort of scenarios, yeah. And finally, scriptwriters owners, Mark and Maria Adams, they've got Jack and I running Saturday. It's yeah, the race, I'll be careful with sponsors. What, what I would know as the Racing Post Chase, but of course it's probably called something else now. Yes, yeah, the Cold um, Trophy now. So I need to pay Cold due um, um, reference for their uh, for their <laughs> kind sponsorship. He ran a cracking race at Cheltenham the time before, finished six in a very competitive handicap. He then went to Leicester and won confidence booster. Mm. He's not been three miles, but apart, early in the season, Chepstow on a stiff track. I think he probably came to three miles or be down right up the street, you know, suiting out of the ground. He's in good form. Can he win? I'm not sure, but I think it's a lot of money, 150 grand, and uh, mm. we'd hope he'd be competitive. And if he finished in the first three, we'd be delighted. And before we let you go, you, you tell me before we came, I know you just bought a horse today at the sales by uh, Walk in the Park, uh, Mullenbeg's yep. by Walk in the Park, isn't she? So um, you're looking well, for... Well, there's a, a, a little story about Mullenbeg. So uh, the, the horse of Peter went through the sales ring here at Channel and just leaving. Um, and she sold for 380000 And then a few weeks later, the horse that was second to her was in an online sale, Mullenbeg, and I'm at home having a few gin and tonics and got a bit brave on the online and, and ended up buying her for forty-two, which I couldn't believe. We've ended up winning three or four hurdles and a listed bumper at Cheltenham, and I believe that the horse that got 380 has only won a mare's hurdle so far, so made none. So uh, we seem to have come out at the moment the right side of that. But And the one I've bought today is, is just a god of a horse to look at. It costs two hundred twenty-five thousand. He's from a great family, um, and he's for sale. Any of your listeners, mm-hmm. they want to have a share in him. Please yeah. contact me. He's a good horse. That's why Beautiful I mentioned horse. it with Milton. That's why I mentioned it. And well, I, I can reliably inform your listeners that you've decided to take half of the horse yourself. <laughs> good news. Uh, yeah, the, we'll edit that bit out. Don't you worry. <laughs> I'm in charge of the scissors here. Don't you worry about that. Uh, what's what's the name of the horse? It got a name already. Walks like the man. Ah, a bit like the trainer. Well, I, I think the trainer waddles like the man nowadays. <laughs> how, how, by the way, how are you? After you? You were ill, weren't you, recently? Well, I had a bit of a scare, but listen, I take a bit of killing. Milton Harris, lovely to speak to him. Thanks so much for, for chatting, and we'll chat again in the future, no doubt. Um, one fifty then, Kempton on Saturday, Bill, is the Adonis. It is a grade two over the two miles. This is a, a basic trial race, isn't it, for the the triumph hurdle and, and script right is going to be the favorite it's probably going to be around about two to one maybe seven to four in places and uh, we'll take a lot of beating i would imagine in this one and uh, we've got uh Nuzre going in there for joseph o'brien who comes over from ireland and the interesting one i suppose is rare middleton who's now with paul nichols one on its debut at taunton for the nichols yarn having run a couple of times in ireland before that winning one of its races. We don't know an awful lot about Rare Middleton. How did you see the Adonis? Is it going to be a good day for the script writers and Milton in particular? Yeah, it's, it's, I always love this, this meeting at, at Kempton and, but I'm always windy of jumping into short proven ones when you've got lightly raced and newcomers entering the mix. We see that particularly when we discuss uh, the Dovecote a bit later, um, as well as the Adonis. You you have horses that appear from left field as suddenly Cheltenham contenders, particularly in the um, in the Adonis, where we've seen horses, you know, Solo, who we'll talk about later, won this race three years ago or whatever, and 
burst into favoritism for the triumph on the back of it. Um, so there's newcomers in this field often that the market might tell you on the morning of the race are pretty good. Um, Paul Perry uh, makes a debut for Nikki Henderson. Um, she was useful on the flat um, for the Haggis team. She's a 10 to 1 chance. We don't know how good she is, but I'm always windy that when people are brave enough to introduce one in the um, Adonis, you just, just keep an eye out. Look, on what we know, Scriptwriter is the one to beat. Um, Nuzret comes over from Ireland. The better ground will probably suit. Um, Joseph O'Brien's horse had three runs. Good form behind good juveniles in Ireland, like Blood Destiny and Lossy Mouth. Uh, definitely of interest here. Um, but I've just got the feeling he's by Golden Horn, so he'll have the speed and the flat track will suit him. And just got a feeling that Scriptwriter will be too good for these. One on the all weather as well. Um, was a real good horse for. Aidan O'Brien, Milton mentioned about tactics and the run at Cheltenham last time not going to, according to plan. Yeah, um, It's very likely that that was a very, very good run when we see how good Comfort Zone is. Comfort Zone won't be far away in a triumph hurdle. Mm. And I also think the return to a slightly better surface. The ground was a bit dead at Cheltenham when we saw him last. Um, I was quite keen to take on Scriptwriter earlier in the week, but as he is weaker in the market and the money has come for others in the race like Nuzret and Perseus Way and Rare Middleton, he's now been pushed out to a price like two to one. And I think that's fair. I will go for him because I think he's the class act. Um, Sarson's Risk um, money's only start for um, the Brookhouse team was really impressive on on the form book got huge amounts to find and second run back from a window but one really impressive on his debut so that it is a race fraught with dangers but i will go with script writer i think he'll just be too good for these even with the penalty yeah that's the, he's got to carry the penalty as well as you say and you know i think milton would be really disappointed if he didn't put up a good performance and uh, he said they got the tactics wrong held their hands up at cheltenham and i don't think they'll do that at kempton on saturday so we'll See how that goes. 225 then. We're going over extended two and a half miles for the uh, Pendle Novices Chase, another grade two. Only the five turning up for this one. And and I guess this, I know you don't like backing favourites, but sometimes you are drawn to them. And Boot Hill is going to be pretty popular in this one for Harry Fry, having beaten Akun Risk, who came out and won again after that, and second behind Tommy Zoska last time out. That's all right. Gino's in there for Jamie Snowden. And you mentioned Solo in this race now for Paul Nichols. Uh, Tweed Skirt goes for Nicky Henderson, and JJ Riley goes for the Skelton family. So you mentioned Solo. What about Boot Hill as well, though? Yeah, it's funny because this is another race that it comes down to price. That when I was looking at this just after decks were made yesterday... Um, I was quite keen to take on Boot Hill with That's All Right Gino, who ran really well last time for the Snowden team. Um, because you were looking at one at kind of 5 to 4, 11 or 8, and the other one at kind of 7 to 2, 4 to 1. But they've got a lot closer in the market. Um, it, it's Even though it's over fences, it's, it, it reminds me of the opener over hurdles because you've got the best horse carrying the penalty at the top and who's going to be hard to win, uh, hard to beat. Boot Hill is really good. He's really smart. Um, the niggle with him might be the trip because he's best over two. Um, and this is two miles four. He ran at Utopster. He was second, second to Beaufort, which is on softest ground, which is probably um, 
stretches the stamina a bit. So he he should if he's going to get to an half anyway, it's going to be around here. Um, the ground will be okay. Beats so Scottish, who's a leading fancy for the Grand Annual. He was second to Jean Bon, who might well just win the Arkle. Um, he was too good for Ork and Wrist last time here over fences and we saw what he did over hurdles in the Betfair hurdles so everything stacks up um, he was beaten by Tommy's Oscar over over two miles and a bit but the penalty was just um, too much for him I think he's going to be really hard to beat I think that's alright Gino may give him a, give him a run but I, I, I'd stick with Boot Hill Solo I mentioned was brilliant here three years ago um, he's had his win done look out for the market for him if that's made all the difference, the market will tell you. If there's loads of money for Solo on the day, he's definitely a player. Um, he's just looked a bit disappointing in two runs behind Balco Coastal and Thunder Rock this year. Um, but if he can breathe now, and that's been what's stopping him, he's he's a likely contender because um, we know he loves the track and we know he's 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 talented on his day and he's interesting. But I, I think Butil will just have too much class for them. We've got 13 runners at three o'clock in the three-mile uh, Cold Trophy, Handicap Chase. I say the thirteen. Uh, Captain Noor goes in here for Christian Williams, and uh, he's going to be one of the favourites, if not the favourite here. Head of Ansam, another Williams, Evan Williams, the Welsh are coming over to dominate for this race. It would apparently see uh, St Calvados is in there. Uh, I'm not sure if David Maxwell is he still out because Harry Cotton yeah, is injured. Yeah. He's still injured. Uh, so St Calvados goes. For Paul Nichols, our power for Sam Thomas, another Welsh trainer coming over. At Clondor Castle for Tom George. And Froden has really got to lug it around with Bryony Frost. 12 stone top weight, rated 161, right up there at the uh, top of the, the weights. That's 12 stone, three miles at Kempton. I know it's a bit of a flat track, but that's going to take some doing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, big ask. I mean, Frodon was great around Wincanton on decent quick ground. Beginning of the season, he's three pounds higher um, here. Um, he's finished third to Brave Man's Game. He's not out of it, Froden. He was. Uh, he was. He's. Um, he's definitely no full-on hope because uh, he's just so good. Uh, his running style: go out in front, catch me if you can, dominate from the front. Funny, his presence puts me off the favourite a little bit and Sam because I think they're both want to be ridden in the same while get into a rhythm and get bouncing and they might just get racing too early and take each other on it's a concern I have um, two horses I really like both of them and Sam and Frodon but the fact that they both run puts me off enough if either one of them came out it would make me fancy the other one quite strongly because I think they're the pace elements in the race uh, St. Calvados is the class factor here he's very talented on his day um formerly owned by andrew brooks he looked like he was going to win a king george a few years ago when he came there too soon uh when he was third to tornado flyer um the handicap has been lenient he's had two disappointing runs this season but dropped from mark of 161 all the way down to 154 quite quickly um seven pounds in two runs one was a joke of a race when he just was allowed to bowl along too strong first time up uh, when he was beaten by Cool Cody and then he was a bit flat at Kempton last time um, there's still a bit to prove for me um, he's a bit shorter than I thought the jockey change will actually help with Harry Cullum here when he last sat on him he was really good at Sandown um, but he's just sort shorter than, uh, than I like um, I think it's a wide open race Captain Orr's favourite or just about battling favourites after last weekend last year's winner and he won last weekend 
Um, they're rolling the dice a bit through connections. Um, lovely Imam and he's a, he's a lovely bloke who, who owns um, Captain Or. They're rolling the dice. Um, They've got the five pound claimer on to help a little bit, haven't they, for the extra that they're gonna they're gonna lose. Yeah, Kim Quirk. Uh, he's he's his first ride in England, uh, and they've booked him to come over to take the five pounds off. So they're very shrewd. Right. So we know he's he's very good. Um, question mark with him is whether uh, it's the it's the quick reappearance, isn't it? It's whether whether last week's exertions have had its toll. He was a very easy winner at Ascot last week, um, but it's just just a week on. But he could easily um, he could easily win, but he wouldn't be for me. I, I, I'm gonna swing the bat I, I i've tend to like to go for bigger price ones and they can often um all out the back of the telly but sometimes the, the old one goes in at a decent price um i like him rillo i think he's going to run really well he's 22 to 1 he's, he's a kind of paul nichols third string um he's a horse that has been very expensive to follow for a lot of people in rillo uh his form figures of PFP don't inspire a huge amount of confidence. No. And that's why he's 22 to 1. But, and this is the big but, we always know he's got an engine. We know he's very effective on decent ground. He's down to a mark of 142, which is for a horse of his ability. Um, you know, bear in mind he was, he, he probably should have beaten Potterman in that, in that whip bread at Sandown. He was off 143 when he went off favourite couple of years ago um he was fourth to captain or in this race last year off a mark of 146 with pieces on for the first time and hasn't run a race since he's had his wind surgery um he's he's just a horse that is threatening to bounce back on better ground. I didn't fancy him at all behind Ansem last time on soft ground because I just don't think think that's his bag. Um but I think coming back to soft ground, I think twenty two to one off a off a very light mark, um with pieces on. There's just enough to to like about him. I just I've just got a feeling um he's gonna run really well. Um and I think twenty two to one kind of <clears throat> underestimates um underestimates his his kind of <clears throat> his chances he fell two starts back at Wincanton um in in that Frodon race um on fast ground and he was pulled up previously behind behind Hewitt but there were just you know the pieces are back on um lightweight another five pounds off uh, with Angus Chalida who's obviously very effective so in essence he's running off 137 um I thought 22 to 1 was too big about him so he he definitely is one I would like to go for um the other one is Clondor Castle uh, for the Tom George team. Um, he's always been campaigned at a high, high level. He's had loads of problems. Had his first run after a kind of two and a, half, a year and a half break um, behind Pictori back in January. So there is the bounce factor to always worry about, but he's an extremely talented horse that's won round the track before. Very effective at Kempton. Um, was in his heyday rated 160 and he's now 154 and... Yeah, I thought Tom George's team are in good form. I know he's 11 years old, but I thought 9 to 1 him and 22 to 1 about a horse that loads of people have given up on in Rillo. I thought that's the way I'd like to play this race. And look, if the top guns battle it out, you know, good good luck to them. If you get kind of Captain Orr or St. Calvados and friends battling it out and Ansam, good luck to them. But I just thought, yeah, for, uh, I'll definitely take a chance on, on, on those two in, in Rillo at 22s. 
and um, Clondor Castle at night. And, and Milton talked about Jacobo in the race, who had a confidence-boosting win at Leicester in February, but been down the field, maybe finding it a bit hard going off 1.35 in that race on Saturday. That's the 3 o'clock. One more to look at at Kempton. Again, Milton's got a couple in this one, the 3.40. This is the Dovecot Novices Hurdle, Grade 2, over two miles. Seven runners go in this one. Hansard has looked really good for Gary Moore team. He's got Jamie on board, uh, having won its last three races now. Goes here as a favourite. You'll be watching Rubo, no doubt, the uh, the horse for Paul Nichols, Harry Cobden, partly owned by Chris Giles, the horse that was second to rare edition at Kempton on a couple of starts ago and finished down the field at Newbury last time behind uh, Akon Riss in that uh, Betfair hurdle. I think he travelled quite well for a long way. That was a weird race. N- nothing came out the back in, in that one at all. The, the leaders just dominated. You can tango's in here for Ollie Murphy. Uh, Imperial beads in there as well for John Joe O'Neill, and uh, we've got Mullenbeg as one of the two for Milton Harris, who's also got Postmark, who, as he mentioned, needs to get a run in before Saturday night to qualify for the the Boodles at the Cheltenham Festival. Uh, first of all, Rubo is going to be one you'll be looking at. Is um, Rare Edition still? On off for the Supreme? Are you still considering? Are you still waiting? What's what's the what's the story there? Just a little byline. Yeah, yeah still, still, still. Hopefully on on course. Um, I'm going to see him on Wednesday, and yeah, he'll do a good bit of work next Saturday, and then the following Tuesday, and then we'll make a call a week out of the race if he's flying and working the house down like he was before Kempton. Hmm. We'll go to the Supreme. If he's not, um, we'll wait for entry. Um, but he's got to be really well and he's got to be working the house down. Uh, I spoke to Charlie this morning for enough before we do this. Um, he's got to be in a re- really good place for us to want to run him in a race like that. So Rubo, uh, you know, obviously was well beaten by rare edition two starts ago. How do you, you feel he ran in, in that bet fairly? He was, he was quite prominent most of the way around. He was just too keen. He was just too keen. He was never going to get home like that. He just never settled. Yeah. And obviously that's why they've applied the hood. If he can set, settle, he's a very talented horse. Um, he was fresher and keener uh, in the in the Betfair hurdle, much more so than he was at Kempton previously. So return to Kempton, the hood, the, all, all those are pluses. Um, he's he's a leading player, and I love to see him run really well. Um, this is an again a trappy race. You've got the horse of of John Joe's of JP's Imperial Bead, who was a kind of expensive purchase from France, and. Showed nothing at Aintree on his debut. You know, he went off 40 to 1 and then 25 to 1 and then won at 8 last time at Huntington. Um, so he's getting his act together, throwing him in in a grey 2. It's a slight surprise with a mark of 120. I thought if they I thought they could do some damage somewhere off that mark, um, potentially. But he's, um, you know, is, is of interest. I mean, the one I was drawn to was definitely Gary Moore's horse, Hansard, um, who's a classic one of these. Um, Horses that looks completely different um, since Gary's got him. Just looks 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 a real talent. Um, beat Father Jazz at Huntington first time up, and then beat Master Chewy at Plumpton um, last time. Um, Master Chewy round okay, um, was six behind Orkin Riss in the Betfair Hurdle, so that that form looked okay. It looked a shock at the time, but to give seven pounds to hands the third Master Chewy and then beat him the way he did is, was 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 really strong form. Um, Won really well, went away. Um, I was 
has got form on good ground, having won at Huntington. I'd just be very surprised if this fella wasn't too good for them. I mean, you you mentioned Milton's two horses. You know whether Mullenbow is quite good enough. Um, whether Postmark's got eyes on 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 other engagements. Um, you can tango is a horse I like, but was disappointing last time. Yeah, just on default. You know, I, I want to see Rubo run well, but you know, if I if I had to bet one in the race, it would definitely be Hansard. And I think six to four is fair enough. I think if you're going to play favourites in multiples, I wouldn't. I wouldn't definitely wouldn't put you off putting Hansard in. So you basically want Hansard to beat Rubo by a short head. Yeah, that's not, not a bad shout. I mean, it's funny, yeah. it's, mixed, it's mixed feelings with Rubo because if he wins, you suddenly think, wow, we should be in a grade two, we should be running and winning this. But look, I think um, I think Hansard at 6-4 is very fair. Uh, that's Kempton on Saturday. Newcastle, we're going to look at the uh, the Ida, which is uh, coming up there, the Vertum Ida Handicap Chase. This is a marathon, isn't it? Four miles, one and a half furlongs, and we've got to, what, to 15 going to post. Kitty's Light. Uh, is back out again, having finished third to Ansem last time for Christian Williams. Could be a big weekend for the Christian Williams team. We've got uh, Barrington Bobina for uh, Anne Hamilton. has got blinkers on for the first time. Sam's Adventure, I think, won this one two years ago for Brian Ellison. has got a visor on. Uh, didn't run in the race last year, but comes on the back of a victory. The Galloping Bear always seems to run a brave race for Ben Clark, a 10-year-old now these days. We've got Eva's Oscar in there and loads of others as well that we've uh, known for these stayers that they're going to go to the Ida. Didn't win my wings win this last year for Christian Williams, so she did that for him. Can Kitty's Light, who is a gelding, I always think Kitty's Light's going to be a mare, but he's not. Um, He's got Jack Tudor on board. Is he a worthy favourite? I think he is a worthy favourite and I think he'll win. Um, it's boring. I think, you know, Jack Tudor's opted to go, um, here rather than, um, than, um, go to Kempton. Uh, Kitty's like one that is one of these ones. When you look at his presence at the top, he's 11 or four. You think got to oppose him at the prices. It's got to be value beneath, but it doesn't feel like a great race. There aren't really strong contenders underneath him. And then when you look at his handicap, Mark, you've got to remember last season, Kitty's light. Um, rounded off, having finished second to win my wings off one four three, at air. Rounded off the season, finishing third to Hewitt. Ran a cracker when favourite off one four five, uh, for the old bet three six five, and the old Whitbread as it was known to the older listeners. Um, <laughs> with pieces on for the first time off one four five, ran an absolute cracker. Come back over, trip short and ideal. Had five runs this season showing nothing in most of those five runs except a little bit better at Kempton on, uh, over Christmas and then a bigger step forward at, Ke- at Kempton um, in the middle of January off 135. Now 132. So that's nearly a stone less yeah. than the mark he carried at Sandown in a race which would, was looked probably the plan when beaten by win my wings. I'd imagine Christian turned around and said, Let, let's go for the Ida next year. That's the perfect race. Yeah. Um, just so much to like that you have to have him in your staking plan. I just can't have him out of it. So Kitty's light 11 or four, I think is a bet rather than a swerve. Um, I think he's he's got huge potential in, in this race. And I, I think Kitty's light's definitely my main. Pro- probably if I had a main bet at the weekend, it would be Kitty's light boringly. Wow. Um and I think as a as a kind of each way one against him, uh, the bigger prices, um, horses like Amateur and Rathener were horses I thought could go well. 
but Rathenau, they might not stay. Like you say, it's a marathon trip. I, I, I have a feeling that Bavington Bob is going to run really well. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's, he's shortened up a bit this week, but he's, he's into eights and, or nines in a place. He's got blinkers on for the first time for the Hamilton team. Um, it's just threatening to relish this kind of trip. Um, I just thought was well handicapped. Uh, and and can run really well, Bavington Bob, with blinkers on for the first time. Brian Hughes riding. Um, but I honestly, I don't think anything will beat Kitty's Light. So, yeah, I'll play Kitty's Light win, uh, 11-4, and a small each way, Bavington Bob, with blinkers on for the first time at eight. Great stuff. That's the UK action on Saturday from Kempton and Newcastle. At Riyadh, we've got the, the Saudi Cup. That's at... Uh, 535 the big race itself a group one now this meeting is uh, in, with whirlpool you can bet into the whirlpool markets just looking at the prize money and i know it's, it's stupid to do this but 8.3 million for the winner 2.9 for the second 1.6 for the third 1.2 for the fourth all the way down to the 10th where you get 166,000 and a bit extra for the 535 at Riyadh. Well, that money's absolutely mental isn't it Amazing, amazing money. I mean, eight, three hundred and thirty-three grams coming eight. It's just like you know, you're talking about some of our top, our, our best races in our calendar. Um, you don't get that money uh, for winning, let alone coming eighth. I mean, if you think of some of the pots in England where it's quarter million pounds to the winner, mm. and you get that for coming ninth. <laughs> it's just it's just extraordinary. But no, the the Saudi Cup card, um the world poor in town, um, there's a global audience and obviously there's 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 some quality different fields and different tests. Um uh, a lot of Japanese runners on the card. Five thirty-five is the Saudi Cup. Keep an eye out on that. Um, it's on on racing TV. Um, Frankie Tori's in town. He's riding last year's winner, Country Grammar, for Bob Baffert, who who won't be far away. Um uh, the Baffert team have the favourite in Taibu, who, who Mike Smith rides. So it promises to be a great duel there. Keep an eye out for the Japanese raider June Lightbolt. Ryan Moore rides that. Mm-hmm. Um, he's around eight to one. Um, he might be one to throw in with your kind of Quinellas with um, the more fancy ones like Taiba. So that's the that's the big race. Um, looking at some of the other races on the card, <clears throat> and it's a, it's, a, it's there's there's lots of w- well known local. Um, UK horses um, going out to try and plunder some prize money. Um, the first one to mention is Mr. Cut, who we all know is a horse we like on this podcast, want to ask it for us, and then and the one on the all-weather, George Bowie, and teams up with Ocean Murphy here with Mr. Cut, who runs in the 205, the Neon Turf Cup. He's odds on. He's about 10 to 11 or even money, and that's 750 grand to the winner. So what a pot that is. Um, he's... Got an okay field um, against him. Sabuska's out there. He should run um, really well. Um, he got beat the other day at, over here in England in a race I thought he was supposed to win, really, Sabuska. I think he finished second, didn't he? Yeah, I think he was just, just they used it as a prep. Um, but you've got White Moonlight um, for Saibintura, Dubai Future for Saibintura, Danny Tatob and Pat Cosgrove go and ride those two respectively. Um particularly White Moonlight, who who, who was a good second at uh, Maidan last time. They'll all be trying to chase Mr. Cut. I'd imagine Mr. Cut will probably have too much for them in that. That's the, that's the 205. Um, the other 
a few races to look at. Subjectivist is back. Yeah. Um, Mark Johnson and Charlie Johnson, I should say now, because there's no Mark Johnson on the license anymore. But but Charlie Johnson hasn't run for two years. Subjectivist um, last seen when winning the Ascot Gold Cup when um, he beat Prince of Zoe. But um, rumours are that he's in really good form and he's back. He's around five to one. Draw hasn't done him many favours in Trap Thirteen. Um, Ian Williams run Enemy. Um, the Gosdens run Trawler Man. So that's a really good race. That's the the three twenty five. Um, but it would be great to see. Um, Subjectivist back and and doing um doing his stuff, and then look out the four oh five is the Saudi Derby, um, and there's a horse there called Having a Meltdown, uh, number twelve coming out of Trap Six for Frankie Dettori for Bob Baffert, really smart horse could end up being a Kentucky Derby horse. I think that's got a massive chance. It'll be favourite, and Frankie should do his flying dismount if he wins that. But yeah, really good card. Um, have racing TV on on the background. The timings are good because when the UK stuff comes to an end, the best of the Saudi stuff kicks in. So yeah, uh, all in all, good days racing. And you can bet on that to, through the... Uh... Yeah, through the toads and you bet into, in, into the whirlpool and there should be you know, the usual big dividends with, with, with all massive global pots, particularly from Hong Kong, um, filtering into the whirlpool. Some really nice racing to look forward to at Shatian Racecourse in Hong Kong on Sunday. Our expert Wally Pyra joins us looking ahead to the races. We've got a group one to look forward to and a few other races well from five o'clock in the morning, Wally. It looks like a really nice card. Yeah, it's, uh, it is. It's an exciting card. I would imagine that uh, Hong Kong um, Shatian is going to get again another huge crowd on Sunday because it's the people's horses running golden 60 mm-hmm. in the big race um, later in the, um, I was going to say later in the afternoon, which is in Hong Kong, but later in the morning, we'll talk about that um, very shortly, but I just wanted to lead off. I know it's very early in the morning. It's a six o'clock start this race, but it's the city uh, city gold uh, handicap. It's over 16, uh, 1600 meters or one mile. Mm-hmm. It's a class two contest, but it is a very, very, very big race as regards a pointer to the Hong Kong Derby, which is run next month, because this horse called Beauty Eternal, who's won his last two races, uh, trained by John Size, ridden by Zach Purton. It's won both its races um, um, since the beginning of, uh, well, I say the beginning of the year at January, won that last month. It's won both races with its head in its chest. Um, and it's also, so I see, it's the favourite for the Hong Kong Derby next month. Well, you'd find that very strange because it's won most of its races over six furlongs. Um, it won over seven furlongs last time out. It now steps up to a mile. So we're going to get an idea of how good this horse is because this race instead of sort of encouraging lightly raced horses that he's been running against or sprinters, he now races against some pretty good contenders, namely the likes of Fantastic Treasure, Mr. Ascendancy, who won over seven furlongs last time at Chartin, California 10 place last time out, all for St. Paul's, Spirited Express. Now, these are genuine gallopers, over seven furlongs to a mile. 
cheerful days as one over further. So he's now got some pretty stiff opposition. The only thing is he races off bottom weight. Yeah. It will be a bitter disappointment if he doesn't win. But he is hoping that he wins it and wins it with authority. And uh, it then will line him up. Again, you've got question marks from six, uh, from a mile to a mile and a quarter that he's going to run in the derby. But let's hear, let's hope he does win and that he can move on to the derby next month. So, do you think he? Do you think he's going to be favourite for this? Because he, he's off 84. I know he's gone up a lot in the weights recently. He's gone up 10 pounds for his last win. But the top weight's off 97. Yeah, I mean, it, he's likely, well, he'll be favourite. He most certainly will be favourite to win this race wow. and probably at a very short price because that's how much people think about this horse. He's yeah. obviously much, much better than what his rating is. But let's see what happens. I mean, John Size is an absolute past master <laughs> at producing these horses. I mean, he did win, what was it? I can't remember. The Ryan Moore horse won a few years few years ago. Um, I'd just come back. So it was about six years ago, and I'd just come back from Hong Kong. But mm-hmm. he, the horse hadn't been further than, four, uh, than seven furlongs, and he won the 10 furlongs, the derby. So Size is good. He knows what he's doing. And Purton has ridden this horse with the best uh, thoughts about looking at the future for it. So it'll be a shame and it'll be a bit of a shock if he gets beat. But let's hope it's all roads to the Hong Kong derby at Sha Tin um, in March. Uh, What's the date of the March, the Hong Kong derby? It's run on the 19th of March. In the weekend, it's the week of the Cheltenham, the weekend of the Cheltenham meeting. So there we go. Now, let's talk about the main race because this is what I call the Battle of the Giants Part 2. Yes. This is between the people's horse, the legendary figure, Golden 60, a winner of 23 of his 27 starts, who bought down the romantic warrior last time out, was over a mile. I've got to be honest, and I'm being probably rude, but the other... The other five horses in the race really don't m- matter. This is a match between Golden 60 and Romantic Warrior. There will be probably 50 or 60% of people will say Golden 60 can't get beat. And there'll be others, the other rest of them will say, well, Romantic Warrior, this is his trip. 10 furlongs, he's unbeaten over it. I mean, if you look at his record, Romantic Warrior, he's four from four over 10 furlongs, and they include the the Longines Hong Kong Cup uh, that he won in December when he absolutely murdered the international opposition. He was winner of the QE2 Cup last season on Champions Day, routed the opposition. He is a serious, serious horse, and you don't have to take my word for it because he's in the top 10 of the world's best-rated horses. And that's purely down to his achievements in, like, as I say, the Hong Kong Cup in December and the QE Cup um, last season. Big race. He's also a winner of the Derby. The trip will suit him. Now, what you've got to ask yourself is, is Golden 60 going to be as good over the mile, which is his optimum distance, as he over 10 furlongs? Well, Golden 60 is no mug. 
over 10 furlongs. Mm -hmm. He did he did win the Hong Kong Derby and he did win this corresponding race last year, um, not last year, in 2021. He got beat in this race last year and you should remember it because it was the day that we all fancied Russian Emperor was run on a soft ground yeah. and, and he absolutely got routed by Russian Emperor. Russian mm. Emperor, as you know, he's no dud of a horse because he went over to Qatar last weekend and won a £2 million race over there for Douglas White. First horse, I think, to win for Hong Kong abroad for many, many years. Is that the horse that Harry Bentley rode you were talking about? No, he rode Senor Tober in that oh, race. Tober, yes, what pleased it. me was that was a, a guy that used to ride in Hong Kong yeah. and uh, a lot of people were very upset that he didn't get his uh, licence renewed by the stewards in the Hong Kong uh, room uh, from the Hong Kong Jockey Club over a ride uh, which we don't need to go into. There was nothing There was nothing bad about it, but the Hong Kong stewards thought there were, and he didn't get his licence renewed, which was very unfortunate. But Alberto Sanna won on it. So there you go. What do you say about it? I looked at it, I've watched that race many, many times, the Stewards' yeah. Cup last yeah. month, where Golden 61. I do believe that uh, California Spangle went at a very slow pedestrian pace. The time to bear that out. He quickened up, and Romantic Warrior certainly got outpaced when they turned into the home straight. Golden 60 sat behind. Um, California Spangle and quickened up like a, a great horse that he is and Romantic Warrior was never going to close. He was closing on him maybe in the last 50 metres. Not mm -hmm. a lot, but he was mm -hmm. closing on him. This will most certainly suit him better. Yeah. Um, what sways me with um, what sways me with Romantic Warrior is the fact that Cayenne Star, a money catcher, will probably, one of them, will go to the lead and it will be run at probably at a consistent gallop from the front. And that's what sways me in with Romantic Warrior, who I think is a relentless galloper mm -hmm. and just chooses opposition away. So I'm being bad. I'm not going to be popular. I'm going to go with Romantic Warrior to beat Golden 60, although there'll be lots and lots of people say you're talking absolute rubbish. I also think it's going to be very difficult to work out who's going to be favourite in this race. Right. Again, I would think that Romantic Warrior should probably be 8 to 13, 4 to 6. Bill, who you, Bill Esdale, you will talk to, thinks that, um, that Golden 60 will be favourite. So it shows how much opinion will differ yeah. in this race. But there we go. It's a great race to watch. And. May the best horse win. That's all I will say. May the well, best that, horse that's win. That's coming up at five past eight UK time Sunday morning. I don't normally get involved with tips. I'll leave that to you, the expert, to do all of that. But I did mention last time I fancied Golden 60 to win the Stewards' Cup. But I, I just can't see him beating Romantic Warrior over 10. I just think Romantic Warrior's ideal distance is 10, and he'll proved to be the strongest so i'm actually rowing in with you Wally. you're rowing so, in with me well our, our, our money's money's gone already yeah bill esdale is going with golden 60 i think so there you go there we great go look forward to that one thinking, great minds may <laughs> not be thinking alike that's all i'll say well now, two of them are <laughs> yeah two of them two against one now if we move on 
mm-hmm. to the 9-15, which is the Hong Kong Classic Cup. It's the second of the four-year-old series. So we've had like the Hong Kong Classic Mile that was la- run last month. Now, this is the $64,000 question. Is do, do people believe the form of the Hong Kong Classic Mile last month? And I'll tell you the reason why. It was a bit of an outsider that won it, although it was heavily backed in the latter stages before the race was when they were horses were going into the stalls. It's a horse called Voyage Bubble. Mm-hmm. Now, for many people, Voyage Bubble just scraped home the time before in a class three contest, and the horses have got beat from that um, that form. It's, it's it's not bad the form, but it's certainly not up to this standard. You would have thought, however. Jamie Carr, that absolute world-class tactician from Australia, she got away with absolute murder on this horse that she bounced out in front from the start. Uh, The first half mile of the race, up to halfway, was running nearly a second slower than an average standard Class 3 contest. It shows what the form about was that the first three who finished first, second, and third in that race, were either first, second, third, and fourth from the beginning to the end. Right. And none of the horses at the back or behind that from fourth onwards got into the race. So it is the, the form suspect? Well, you either say it. I mean, Voyage Buzzle, Bubble quickened at the 200 metres and was, certainly wasn't stopping because this is another 200 metres, yeah, another furlong. So is whether you believe that form or not, if you believe that form, then Voyage Bubble has a, a great chance. I would believe probably a lot of the form students, form experts won't believe that form, but we will see. Now, opposition includes um, a horse called Tuchel, who finished second behind yeah, Voyage Bubble. The only good thing about the what is better for this time for Tuchel is that, A, it's drawn the inside draw, so he's going to get an economical, easy journey in the race, and he's bred to get much further. He'll do good favours to his Hong Kong derby prospects if he wins this race. He's £7 better off with Voyage Bubble, so you would really think that Tuchel's got a big chance, plus the fact that it's the old favourite partnership of John Size and Zach Purton. Yeah. I I actually believe that he's probably um, will start favourite, yeah. which is not a great thing, because I think in the last, I think it was from 2006, about 16, 17 runners, only four favourites have ever won this race. So being favourite in the contest is not a great omen, but Let's see. The opposition. I'll tell you what the opposition. A lot of them you'll be interested in. There's horses like Flagship Warrior. Show no form in his um, last time out. But he's much better than that form, although he's got a dreadful draw. The horse that I fancied in the Hong Kong Classic Mile, Kifi, mm. he he just he just didn't show his true form at all in that race. He, he, he's bombed out. He, he was one of the horses that were up in the first four all, right, all the way right. round, but yeah. he just emptied. He didn't fire. He's well drawn again. Poor old uh, Sylvester de Souza's 
being kicked off the horse. Um, he may say he hasn't, but I promise you, he probably has. But and they've got Derek Lung back in the um, the saddle. He's one that can run well, and a horse called Super Sunny Singh. You know, I've mentioned he's in naught and just ordinary handicaps, but he's gone from class four contests. He's gone up to class three. He's won his last three races. He's obviously picked up penalties in each of them. He's gone on five pounds. Then he went up eight pounds. But last time out, lo and behold, he went up to a mile and he absolutely slaughtered his opposition. He won by three and a half lengths doing handstands. How much is he going to be able to improve? I did notice that he beat Voyage Bubble earlier on in the season. I think it was in December when he beat him, but that was only over seven furlongs. So you can't really take that, equate that form. But Super Sunny Singh is an interesting one. And the other ones to have a look at, Sword Point. But I would have fancied Sword Point quite a lot. I think the, the step up in distance is going to really suit this horse. The only trouble is he's drawn barrier 13. And that's a not a great draw because he's going to have to find some cover and it might be quite hard. But he's got the best jockey riding in Hong Kong at present. And I say that over Zach Pert is Hugh Bowman, who can't stop riding with us. I know he had a he didn't ride on Wednesday, uh, but he's he's the jockey to be with at the moment. So looking at it, I think the Tuchel should probably win, but I'm certainly not over enthusiastic about it. Voyage Bubble, if it wins, you'll turn around and say, Well, that form was good. Mm. What was he talking about? The form was suspect. No, it wasn't. But you got the great improver, Super Sunny Singh, and you may get one or two of the outsiders like Flagship Warrior or Sword Point do well. So, all in all, it's a great race. Thanks, Wally. And, uh, let's enjoy the racing on Sunday at Shartin. It's on Sky Sports Racing from 5 o'clock in the morning UK time with the big race itself at Group 1 at 8.05. Many thanks to Bill Esdale for the preview and, of course, to our special guest, the always lovely to speak to, Milton Harris. Good luck with your runners this weekend. Well, that's all from us for today. We'll be back again next week as we take our usual look ahead to the weekend's racing, both in the UK and in Hong Kong, so it'd be great if you could join us then. And don't forget to visit the City AM website for all the latest news and horse racing tips, and you can follow the podcast on Apple Tunes, Spotify, Amazon Music and Stitcher to get the latest episodes as soon as they're released. <laughs> <laughs>